It has to be more embedded in the DNA of leaders as to how they work with the individuals within their organizations, whether or not those individuals are going to feel like they belong or not. Are you tapping into the power of community? Why not? Join us for Let's Talk Community, where George and his guests discuss the communities they belong to and how they've tapped the power. We all have communities we belong to, and we can easily tap into them to grow our business, advance our careers, make changes in our personal lives, and of course, in our relationships. Join us. You might learn something. Hello, everyone. This is George Diaz, and I'm bringing you another episode of Let's Talk Community with George Diaz. Uh, Today, my guest is Ricardo Gonzalez. Now, Ricardo Gonzalez and I go back at least five or six years. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Ricardo, for joining me. Honored, man. And, um, you know, we first started because uh, we helped him do some work with a a membership site he had called Bilingual America. So um, just so I don't mess this up, let me read his bio here. So he's the founder and CEO of Bilingual America. He's the author of Six Stages of Cultural Mastery, The Six Stages of Cultural Sales, The 12 Hidden Truths of Learning Spanish. And his newest book, which is going to be released, and we're going to be talking about this one, is to belong or not to belong, quoting uh, Shakespeare, I guess, why people want to belong or not. And that just goes perfectly with our uh, theme of communities and the relationships that are kind of built that way. So, um, Ricardo, why would you jump into a book like this? In the, in the corporate world, which is a world we, we work with a lot, we went from diversity, equity, inclusion to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, right? And and so right now in the corporate world, as it relates to the DEI movement, everyone is talking about belonging. And before you get too far on that, just so people get a little bit of background, because I know this, but um, a lot of what Ricardo has done or really kind of where you, you really got your momentum with Bilingual America was teaching American company executives how to work better with the people that work for them, primarily Hispanics. Uh, and that sometimes included the language, but a real big part of your focus was the culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you you know, language is part of culture. And, and so you can you can actually learn a language and just be double trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just means right. you get in trouble yeah. that much faster, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can just spread your you can just spread your stupidity very quickly if you have two languages more quickly anyways. Uh, so the emphasis on culture, I mean, bilingual America is cultural communications. So language is part of that. We have a language division, but we also have a cultural communications division. So when we started, uh, you're right. A lot of our initial work was teaching uh, American corporations, many of them large, which your, your listeners would recognize by name, and how to properly not only understand, but to work with uh, either Hispanic workforce, Hispanic client base, you know, all of those things. But then when I wrote The Six Stages of Cultural Mastery, which is beyond Hispanics, right, then we started to really start to work with organizations that were global in in nature, working with other cultures, because the principles of working with those cultures, they hold true, they're transcendent. doesn't matter if you're working with Hispanics or Asians or Europeans or or whatever. The specifics are different, but the mastering of the cultural things are... are Yeah, especially the way we teach it from a process standpoint, like six stages of cultural mastery is actually a process. There are six stages. Here's stage one, which is education, right? And here's stage two, which is an engagement stage. And then here's stage three, which is empathy, which most people misunderstand what empathy means. And, and then we go to stage four, you know, which is excitement, then empowerment, and then endearment. So the, the main premise of that is that we have to seek 
uh, cultural relationships that are endeared, not tolerant, right? Because people always just talk about cultural tolerance. I go, wait a minute. I don't want to tolerate you. You know, we're just going to go through. And that's what, that's what we do right, in America. The, we tolerate yeah, each other, right? Yeah, and the, the bar is so low. It's like it doesn't yeah, do anything for anybody. Like, let's, let's just do this. We just grit our teeth at each other our whole lives. We're just going to, yeah. just so we're not at war with each other, right? We just, it's silly. So we talk about cultural endearment, which is stage six of cultural mastery. But when we got into the whole belonging thing, because of the work that we were doing with cultural mastery and also with cultural sales, which six stages of cultural sales, which is, you know, how do we attract and retain diverse clients, right? And how do we take those relationships and reinvest back into uh, these diverse communities that's going to create even more wealth and more economic prosperity uh, for all people? And but then we when we start, everybody's talking about belonging. And so I started really talking with DEI leaders around the country, and they started talking about belonging. And I started looking. What I realized was corporations, and corporations are great at this, right? They're trying to policy their way into belonging, right? And so they're, they're creating corporate structures so that people feel like they belong. And my contention is that belonging is so deeply personal that no policy can cover it. And it has to be more embedded in the DNA of leaders as to how they work with the individuals within their organizations, whether or not those individuals are going to feel like they belong or not. So I just started studying it, working on it, interviewing people. And I thought, I have something here, right? And And then, so so the idea here is how, you know, belonging, you know, we're talking community, but a community can be toxic. A community can be positive and a community can give people reasons to belong. Right. And I think that's where you were headed with this. Well, most communities are toxic. <laughs> okay. You know, um, here, here's what we're in America. If you look at America as a country, right? So you go from country to States to local communities, right? If, if you look at that and you go, why do some people right now, want to move to Florida and why do some people want to move to Texas and why do some people want to move out of the country and why do some, you know where I'm going? No, no. Right. And then no, no, right now, Canada is not as popular just because of what's going on up there. Well, but anyway, it's like, and, let's go and, somewhere else. And people inside their psyche, they go, I don't belong here. Right. I don't belong here. You'll remember uh, last summer when we, we we went back to the States for a while from the Dominican because, you know, uh, we, we spent most of our time in the Dominican Republic and we flew into Miami. And and you'll remember that um, we had a little puppy with us that you were actually so gracious to, to take care of our, our right. cupcake. Right. And because I didn't have a valid U.S. driver's license, I couldn't rent a car. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, but we had to get up towards Orlando. And so I thought, well, this will be fun. Let's take the bus. Oh, boy. So we took the Greyhound from Orlando, from Miami to Orlando. And I'm going to tell you something. We didn't belong on that bus. <laughs> the people who were on that bus, the things that happened on that bus, all we wanted to do was get off the bus. Right. The happiest moment of that entire trip was getting off of it. And that's how a lot of people feel about their their companies they work for. It's how a lot of people feel about the states they live in or the communities they live in. And it's just, and it basically say, I don't belong here. I don't want to be here. But in the book, I go deeper. 
Some people don't even want to belong in their own families. Right. I can see that. The, the millions of kids every year, adolescents who run away from their own homes. They don't want to be there. The one place where people should have this deep sense of this is safe. I want to be there. And, and, and we go so deep in the book about how belonging, even what do you do if you're in a corporate environment, right? And you look at the, the number of people annually in the United States who attempt suicide. And by the way, only I think one in nearly 50 actually um, do it. Well, that's, that's positive, I guess. That, that's a positive because they don't really want to. But, but suicide, suicide is the ultimate statement of I don't want to be here. Right, right, right. Right. And so how do you take people who have been deeply hurt or who are traumatized and then you bring them into a corporate environment or into community. And all of a sudden we're, you know, we've got these nice parties and things and you, this, this place is for you. Yeah. But that's so much deeper. Yeah. I've now lost trust in other people. I've lost trust in humanity. How do I, as a leader create that environment or that culture in which people really find a safe place and in which people really want to be there? You know, belonging is about being right. Where do I want to be? Do I really belong there? So and, what the and are so, you targeting the book at? Is it for corporations? Is it for organizations, churches? You know who who who's the buyer? I think team? all of those. I think corporations. I think churches, um, community leaders, anybody who's trying to create a, a culture or an environment. I, the the original subtitle for the book was "Real Talk on Creating Cultures Where People Long to Be." And then we changed it to why people want to belong or not. And I think either one would work, right? The, the second um, one's a little more concise. and Yeah, and it's, and it's more personal. And the book is very personal in nature, right? And so the way the book is structured is because of the to belong or not to belong. And people are familiar with, with Shakespeare. You referenced Shakespeare. Uh, it was in Hamlet, you know, to be or not to be, Right. And in the introduction to the book, I talk about how that some people and how to belong or not to belong is almost the same. Some people are living in a place or in a community or in a corporation or, or, or in, a, in a group where literally inside they're dying. And, and, and the community either makes it worse, makes it like the same, or maybe makes it better, right? I mean, those are the three options. It, it, it really is. I mean... In a company, um, you know, you look at the fears that people have around things like restructuring, firing, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just, they're different language. In a church, you can have excommunication, you know, yeah, depending on, on the yeah. situation, things like that. Um, but but I, tell, I mean, excommunication at least is like formal, right? But how many people will show up at a church and it's kind of like, well, they did not feel welcomed or oh, gosh. they felt pushed aside or, or, or they're trying to get in and they were in, I mean, the ones that are the worst, I think, are the ones where it's like they're indirectly pushed out and they don't know why. Absolutely. And so they, they never feel belonging. They, they either give up or just get really frustrated. You know, and then they'll walk out and, they'll, you know, they'll talk about how people weren't nice to them or hypocritical or whatever, whatever, you know, but yeah. the bottom line is they didn't feel like they belonged. Yeah. 
So to answer your question, I think every pastor in the country should read to belong or not to belong because their entire their entire ministry depends on membership. Hmm. And and membership is about belonging. Right. And, 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 and taking so, it to the next level, how, how do you I mean, the reason I run a church is to hopefully better people, um, you know, not just because I need members. It's just because, you know, the more members I have, I guess, the more influence I can have. It's, you know, how do I grow my impact? Yeah, you know, it, it you know, if you go back to New Testament, I guess, and, and Greek, you know, I mean, the, the, the word church in the Greek language is ecclesia. Yeah which literally means a called out group of people. Okay. And, 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 and the outset, the, the church was not designed to, the, the meeting of the believers was not designed to be a place for evangelism or for proselytizing. It was designed to be a place of nutrition and nourishment for those people in their community, right? And, and I think we've lost our way quite a bit on some of that. Right. Um, and, and that feeds into some of the things I think that impact belonging or whether or not people feel like they belong. Um, you know, I know that there are groups of churches, for example, that they actually publish the number of people in attendance and things like that, and actually put a numerical value on these things. And, you know, that makes sometimes certain people feel like, you know, I'm just a number, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you know, I think that there are things that we, we consciously do and some things that we unconsciously do um, that maybe we're not thinking through as deeply as we need to. Um, and then, then I think one of the things I talk about in the book under corporate belonging is well, the whole, and by the way, are, are there tips that you can, I mean, what are the things that people ought to be doing? I mean, I'm sure you've got chapters and chapters on this. Yeah. Well, we got three acts. <laughs> we stayed with the whole uh, Shakespeare thing, you know? So it's, the book is not divided in chapters. It's divided in acts. There you go. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's a prologue, which is the introduction, right? Because in a play, there's a prologue. And then there's act one, which is personal belonging, which is a, a very personal series of stories. Um, some of them mine, which are jump off points to give kind of that understanding of what it really takes to belong or not belong. And, and the things that we do to drive people away or to attract them. The act two is social belonging. And that's where we talk about things like, um, why do gangs attract people? Okay. Right. And, and what are the characteristics of a gang? You know, it's curious. And, and, and every, every, uh, every act has 10 scenes. Okay. So I, guess, okay. I guess those are the chapters, right? For sure. And then every scene has a plot line, you know? And so it's an interesting way to approach a book. I've never done it before, but I thought it'd be cool. But the one, for example, on gangs, the plot line on the one on gangs is some people want to belong so badly that they're okay with violence. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying to fill in some gap. That they don't There's have. something that they need so deeply to belong to something that feels safe to them. Right. 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 And so it's a very, it's a very different approach to belonging. It's not a corporate approach. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, and even the whole discussion on suicide or there's a, there's a, there's a scene called I'll beware for Christmas, which is about the impact that divorce has on children and how that impacts their ability to feel like they belong somewhere. Gotcha. Okay. So it's, you know, it's very deep. It's a very oh, yeah. different approach. 
No, no, and I'm hearing that. Okay, so yeah. those are interesting different scenarios. Uh, and then, so you, you've got the personal, the social, and then you have the corporate. Yeah, Act 3 is corporate belonging. And that is, I'll give you an example. There's one on, there's one on um, high and low context um, leaders. For example, a low context culture is, I'm going to give really top level stuff on this, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, people are driven by results. Okay. A high context culture, people are driven by relationships. Right. Okay. So the Latino culture is more high context than local context. And that's why we were always late to everything because we don't, you know, we're more concerned about the relationship than the result. Right. right? And, and so, but most leaders in American corporations and even nonprofits are low context leaders. They're concerned about the results. Number two, they value change over tradition. But in high context, we value tradition over change. Okay. So who am I attracting? Am I attracting someone who's high context or low context? And the other thing is that in a low context culture, people value independent individual achievement. Right. In the high context culture, people value the group achievement. And my, my sense of worth comes through the group. Okay, now what happens in a corporation when I have low context leaders who are leading high context people from different minorities, different countries? You can imagine the chasm there. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the trouble's brewing for sure. And then, um, and, and so is this a, are, are you just putting together a lot of scenarios and then addressing them or are you addressing that at the end? No, I, after each scene, there's an address, right? It's like, so it's like, if you, if you look at, for example, if you look at the plot lines of the book, right. And you, and you kind of go, okay, well, what's, you know, what's that scene about? Right. Okay. So for example, scene one, act one, scene one, right. Act one, scene one, the plot line is some people don't really belong anywhere. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll give you an example. This, this is what's in the book. So this came out of an actual personal experience I had with a guy who, you know, I, I believe, you know, Bob King. Yeah. Okay. So Bob uh, is American. Yeah. Raised in Spain. Was in the military in Germany. Lives in Latin America. And a genius, technological yeah. genius. Right, right. And I'm, and he's got this twenty thousand square foot house in uh, Escazú, Costa Rica. Right. And and I was down there visiting him, and we're at his pool. And I'm I am social. I love being out. I love talking with people. Uh, I love watching people. I mean, that's my life, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm more of a sociologist or a psychologist or a culturologist. I, I don't know. I'm a hybrid, right? Because I just right. love being around people. I love to learn. And Bob is a geek. He's in his he's he's in his office at two in the morning programming coding. Yep, yep. He, he made millions of dollars selling code um, to the banking system in Europe. And so here's this guy who's very wealthy, twenty thousand square foot house. And and I'd walk into his office at two in the morning. I said, Bob, what are you doing? And he do this to me. And he said, This is my drug. I love you know that, that's my gig. When he sold out his company to a banking system in Europe, Jorge, he actually, and I'm getting to something here. This is yeah, the beauty yeah. of the story, I believe right? It. 
he he actually bid on jobs on Upwork, which at the time I think was um, what was it called before before oh. Upwork? You know what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll come to me. Yeah, yeah. Elance. I believe it was Elance. No, it wasn't Elance. Odesk. Something, something like oh, that. It, it he, was Odesk, on, yeah. he said, he said, I would bid on jobs for five dollars an hour. I'm one of the best programmers in the world. Just yeah, yeah. I would bid on the hardest jobs I could bid on just to do something. He said, I didn't need the money. I just needed the challenge, right? So this is Bob. And here I am doing what you know what I do. And we're we're sitting in his pool. And he says, he looks at me, he says, you know, we have a lot in common. I really? said, how's I said, how's that? He said, because neither of us, and this was actually the impetus of this book. This is where it first struck me. Yeah. He says, because neither of us will ever belong truly, totally anywhere. That's an interesting observation. Okay. And he said, okay, think about it. When you're in Puerto Rico, because you've lived in the U.S. and because of your your skin complexion. And he says, because your mom is also American. Your dad's Puerto Rican, but your mom's American. You don't totally belong there, do you? That's probably accurate. I said, no. He said, you live in the Dominican. He said, your Spanish is perfect. You, um, but do you totally belong? I said, no. He said, but when you're in the U.S., you're Latino, aren't you? Is your last name Gonzalez? Do you totally? I said, no. He said, you don't totally belong anywhere. And he was absolutely 100% right. Right? And you have a lot of people. For example, you know people. I know people. If you were to go back to Cuba today, you wouldn't belong there. Oh, at all. At all, I'm like you're Cuban and you're Cuban. So we're having this huge battle for identity and identification. Identity is who am I? Identification is who do other people think I am? Okay. Right. And that has everything to do with belonging and whether or not I feel belonging. So we have these plot lines. So the plot line of scene one, which is the story about Bob. Right, right. And what he told me is some people don't really belong anywhere. Now, for people like us who have never felt like we belonged anywhere, totally, how do you get me to feel like I truly belong to your group? Right? And as a matter of fact, it's interesting because you're trying to, for the first time, help someone belong, and they don't even know what it feels like. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. I'll take you through a few of the scenes. So, so that's, so that's one of them. That's pretty cool. That's scene one, act one, personal belonging. Uh, Here's one. And this is, I I don't want to tell this full story, but when I was a a teenager in in high school, uh, I was involved and there were two new kids that came into our high school and we just made their lives miserable because they were different. Sure. You know? And here's another plot line. Some people don't really want other people to belong. Okay. It's threatening. What do I do with that? What if I want to belong, but I know they don't want me to belong? What do I do with that? Right? So sometimes we don't really want others to belong. And so another one is you can decide where you want to belong. 
I mean, so there's so many different plot lines. There are 30 different plot lines in the book. Yeah. And, and it, it's interesting because this applies. I mean, the minute you mentioned that one, uh, my wife and I are watching The Gilded Age, which is, uh, you know, a new program on Peacock. Yeah, Peacock Netflix somewhere. See, I don't belong on Peacock. I belong on Netflix. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but, I'm messing but, with it. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, you know, it's the, the people that are making money in the late 1800s with the railroads are trying to fit into the you know, century old people who live in New York and they don't want them to belong because they, you know, they think they're no more rich and the dynamic yeah. there. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of things then that you're, you're kind of dealing with this from the very personal to the group dynamics. Absolutely. And I guess the implications over in a corporate. Well, and then there's another, there's another scene, this scene 10 of act one under personal belonging. And that is when trust is broken, belonging is broken. Yeah, and that's that's like when you when when you show up after you've had some sort of awkward exchange based on trust, and now it's like, okay, how do we redo this? What does the new thing look like? And that can be really tough. Well, you know, you speak Spanish, right? I do. Okay, so here's here's a here's a plot line, and that is that all foreigners are weird to those who aren't. All foreigners are weird to those who aren't weird, I guess. No, to those who aren't foreigners. Oh, to those if all foreigners are weird to those who aren't. Yeah. So I'll take you into Spanish. I think this is cool. So the word for foreigner in Spanish is extranjero. Which is strange. Yeah, extraño. Means strange, weird. It's, it's, been, it's weird. even embedded into the vocabulary. It's embedded into the vocabulary in Spanish. It's not in English, but in, 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 in Spanish, you know, it's foreign. It's different. It's well, yeah, but it means strange is weird, odd, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. it's not the same implication in English, right? Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, Ricardo, I'd love to keep talking with you, but man, this is this is a really interesting book. Now, when is the book out? Uh, the spring. Yeah, we haven't set the final release date. We're working on a summit or a conference of on belonging with yeah. some guests to do the launch. And uh, but very soon. Well, tell you what, I mean, I, I'm, I'll get myself a copy. I want to make sure that uh, I think you'd love it. I'll, I'll touch base with you again, maybe later in the spring, and then we'll come up and maybe have you on again. But uh, the book is To Belong or Not to Belong, Why People Want to Belong or Not. Uh, and my guest is Ricardo Gonzalez, uh, the author, as well as, you know, somebody that heads up Bilingual America and other things. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. So can I share where they can get they can read the prologue? I've got yeah, one yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. Okay, so if you go to culturalmastery.com forward slash belonging, mm -hmm. all right, uh, there's a there's a free PDF of the of the introduction to the book. Well, tell you what, when when I publish this, I'll make sure that we put that in the in the notes. Yeah, yeah that'd be but great. Anybody that wants to get a hold of it can get you know can start off with that and go and actually start to read, see see what to think of it. But yeah. um, I think it's um, I'm very excited about this book. I, I I think it can help a lot of people. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, thanks again. Thanks, Jorge. Appreciate you, man. You've been listening to the Let's Talk Community podcast with George Diaz. To subscribe to this program or find other marketing resources for your business, visit us at www.celebratingrelationships.com. That's www.celebratingrelationships.com. Thanks for listening.